Hi, I'm Deborah Hamilton. Welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? Ten years ago, with my iPhone and a script, I recorded the first episode of the Ultimate Pet Resolution Summit, which chatted with experts about conflicts over animals. Our conversations were intimate, honest, and illustrated how disagreements over animals occur and how those disagreements can reshape people's lives and relationships. In November 2019, I started Why Do Pets Matter, a new podcast that continued these informative discussions. I'm so excited to have you here with me, continuing my exploration into a more meaningful conversation about why pets matter to all of us. My guests and I will share ideas, stories, and experiences straight from the heart, unscripted and holistic. From the bravest moments to the most brokenhearted, we will explore how to resolve disagreements over animals differently. One thing I know for sure is I want to have more meaningful conversations that will help all of us unlock that deeply felt human-animal bond that drives the emotions of conflict. So today we're going to meet my new wonderful friend, Colonel Carla Bass. She is the force behind Right With Influence. She was brought in by the AKC Legislative Governmental Group to teach the legislative liaisons how to write um, effectively for communicating with your legislator, local, national. But it also is going to give us the skill on how to speak and write to our owners, our breeders, our veterinarians, it is just such a wonderful conversation. And I think we'll probably have a few of them because everything she says is so impactful to why pets matter to us. And when we speak because pets matter to us so much, we can sometimes get defensive and reactive. So using Carla's tidbits, her tips, even some of her free eBooks will be wonderful. So let's hear what Carla has to say now. Hi everyone, Deborah Hamilton, and I'm so glad to bring you a colleague of mine who I met at the AKC Legislative Conference. This is Colonel Carla Bass. Carla, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Delighted to connect with your audience. I am so glad that you um, agreed to be here because while you were speaking to all the dog people in the room, you spoke about how to write for influence if you're speaking to your local town, your local legislature about different rules and regulations they're trying to put into place. How do you write for influence if you agree or don't agree? Also, we probably will get to how do you communicate with influence in a way that will diffuse a disagreement as opposed to becoming reactive and defensive. Um, so Carla, I'm so glad you're here. I know you're going to give us incredible tidbits. Um, and for everyone who's listening, stop your car, stop what you're doing um, and take notes because this is going to be something that will serve you with respect to the animals that you love, but also the people who you talk to regarding the animals, be you a breeder, a veterinarian, just a plain old pet owner with your neighbor. Uh, I hope Carla will teach you how to put me out of business because you'll be diffusing conflicts. <laughs> so I'm so glad you're here, Carla. And of course, we ask the first question always, which is, why do pets matter to you, Carla Bass? And the answer is, I'm going to quote a master back to you and your audience. I am a Dean Kuntz fanatic for many, many, many reasons, uh, which we can go into later. But but one of the things I love, about, one of the many things I love about him is his approach to animals. So 
the two quotes that I found from Dean, I mean, absolutely uh, convey my own opinions. So, so he says, the opportunity to love a dog and to treat it with kindness is an opportunity for a lost and selfish heart to be redeemed. They are powerless and innocent, and it is how we treat the humblest among us that surely determines the fate of our souls. That's, that's one. Actually, I've got three quotes. The second one is, once you, have, once you have had a wonderful dog, a life without one is diminished. And the third quote is, petting, scratching, and cuddling a dog could be as soothing to the mind and heart as deep meditation and almost as good for the soul as prayer. I, I have to tell you, all three of those hit me. And I just want to tell the audience, we are going to make sure that Carla sends us those so that we can add them to the show notes. So you can put them up in your house and remember them. Because I think that's one of the wet, the best answers to my why do pets matter to you that we've ever gotten, Carla. And, and you know, the, the, reason, the reason that I stumbled onto Dean Kunst, and that was only last year, I know he wrote decades ago, but I developed a... Um, a, a web course or a workshop that applies what I'm going to share with you all to fiction. And it was called uh, Write to, Inf Write to Influence, Spin That Captivating Tale. And what I discovered in Dean Kuntz is he crams so much meaning into so few words. His writing is crisp. It's dynamic. It elicits emotion. It's, it's just, it, it sears you. And so I, I, I found him because I loved his method of writing. And then be, once I got beyond that, I discovered the life lessons that he conveys in his writing and his love for animals. And it's just, it's like a trifecta of things with, with Dean Koontz. Anyway, so yes, I'll be glad to send those quotes to you. Oh, thank you so much. So of course, we're here because Carly, you've really created a niche for yourself where you help people write in a way that influences people positively. You, you really create the ability for someone to not only give their opinion, but also to weave in what the other party may be looking for. So tell us a little bit more about how that applies to people who are communicating over dogs. Sure. The, uh, well, let me, let me give a real, real quick um, saga on, on how Right to Influence came to be and, and, and why it's so impactful. When I was a, a squadron commander, a little lieutenant colonel in Hawaii, I had a, a unit of 480 people, young, young, wonderful men and women. When I took over the squadron, it was the most losing in statewide professional awards. The careers of these super people were being unintentionally impeded because their bosses could not write winning uh, award packages. So I decided I needed to teach them how to write. So that's where I developed the word sculpting tools, which is part two of, of Write to Influence. I, I developed a one hour course. I taught my guys how to write. We began sweeping the awards. Other units said, hey, teach us too. And so what I'll be sharing with you, I ended up teaching for the last 15 years of my active duty because there was such a vacuous hole. So many people needed it. Now, to answer your question, the, the, the principle, the foundation principle of right to influence is, imagine a white rectangle. And the, the principle that this is going to depict is the fact that uh, every writer, um, every communicator is limited by two things. You're limited by uh, the reader or the audience's attention because time and attention are fleeting. 
The second thing that you're limited by if you're writing is space. Sometimes there are demarcated lines on a government form or, or whatever you're uh, writing to says, give me your pitch in 250 words or you know what have you. So the moral in this little white rectangle, now in that, in that rectangle put in big fat black block letters, the word opportunity. The moral is the, the communicator who best leverages time and space to make that influential message wins. It's all about maximizing opportunity. And if you can, if you can cut out the useless words, if you can strategize your message to a fine, compelling, focused pitch, that's how you influence those legislators. That's how that that's the well, that's how you do it. Um, Another founding principle is empathy. You have to know your audience. Uh, and, and there are several aspects to that. You have to know one, what's their familiarity with the subject that you're about to bring to them so that you don't talk over their heads or you don't talk down. Um, two, are, do they have any sensitivities? Are they a friendly audience, neutral audience or antagonistic audience? Knowing that will help you um, tailor your approach so that you can either neutralize their um, their disagreements, clarify their misunderstandings, or fortify their support. Um, do they? What are their desires in this communication? What do they want from from this message, from your communication with them? What do you want from them? It's so Knowing important. It's so important. I, I hate to interrupt you, but it is so important for the audience to recognize that taking the time to think about and understand who your audience is, who's in the room, what are they looking for, what are their desires, as well as what your desires are, because we're always writing to get something or to go somewhere or to change something, especially mm -hmm. in any dog issue or animal issue. But being able to sit down like you're doing, and I love the step-by-step -step you use, Carla, because it has been so impactful in how I write. Um, I've read Carla's book. It was fabulous, but it's been so impactful because I now stop and think about who I'm writing to, what their purpose and desires are. And I, I try to couch it, and correct me if I'm wrong, Carla, in putting a few of what we agree with up front, Mm -hmm. And then making sure that the things that we might disagree on are couched in a way that are curious and um, and informative, as opposed to Carly, you're 100 percent wrong, and this is why, because yep. nobody ever wants to read that, right, Carla? Right, right on target. So I have another workshop, and I've written several articles. I call it "Frame a Winning Argument: How to Frame a Winning Argument." And there, there are several, several aspects to that. But what you just mentioned is one of them, is, is you start off with the low-hanging fruit, with items upon which you can agree. So you establish a common bound, uh, a bond, uh, a friendly atmosphere, and you get the heads going, yes, yes, yes. And you gradually work your way. You, you, earned, you earn trust, and you build that, that empathy and almost that camaraderie. And then as you get into the thornier issues, you've got a bit of a foundation from which to work those more difficult points. I love it. I love it because, you know, most of us get so wrapped up in our point of view and getting it right and being right mm -hmm. that we don't stop to take the time. And I know you're, you're going to show us how 
to um, get it right over being right. Of course you're right. The way you feel is right. Nobody's going to ever talk you out of that. And how can you express that in a way that someone else can really hear you? Yep. On the other hand, you may not be right. You may not know that you're not right. Okay. So, so when you're, when you're in the process of, of framing that winning argument and to do so without causing undue uh, defensive reaction on the audience's part, uh, uh, um, approach your position and compare it fairly and objectively with the others, with the other positions, uh, point out the positives and the negatives, and then you conclude with, and, and this is why I think mine is better. However, keep an open mind, be, be willing to listen to the other point of view, and it, it may turn out that they've got points and issues that you hadn't thought of. If that's the case, have the courage to say, you know what, you're right. Thank you. I, I never thought of that. I love that. I, I used to say, you know, let somebody go first and hear what they have to say. And you might learn something yep. that you can agree with that you never thought you could. Yep. And then you are more right yep. than you were, because now you have the benefit of what they brought to the table. And you can say, yeah, Carla, wow, I never thought of it that way. And that might be a much better way. Uh, a great mediation trainer called Bill Yuri wrote a book, and I know you would love to read it. It's called um, The Third Side or The Third Way. Um, I'll put that in the show notes as well, uh, because it talks about what you want, Carla, what I want. And then if we truly listen to each other, we can find a way forward, which will be hopefully a genuine melding of what's best next steps. And in this case, because this is why do pets matter for the pet. Right, conversation is a two-way street. One other, one other point in knowing your audience and, and, and tailoring your pitch so that it's on target. Um, I don't know if your audience is familiar with the Myers-Briggs personality profiles. I, I am an ENFP, I mean, flaming extrovert, you know, don't bother me with the details, although I've, I've learned to get better at that, but I am, I am out there. The point is you have to know as best as you can to whom are you speaking. So for example, there's a colleague in the office, nice, nice man, really smart, but he is as timid as you could possibly get. Timid, smart, quiet, gentle, almost a shadow of a person. So if I had come at him with my no normal exuberance, I would just steamroll him. So when I'm talking to him, when I'm interacting with him, I tone myself down a lot because I, I, know, I know his personality. So all of these things are helpful when you're engaging, whether it's legislator or, or vets. Um, Readers uh, or owners, because, you know, being able to understand how they're going to receive information and... I know we've spoken before about this when we talked offline and being able to take a step back. If you see you have, like you said, if you had spoken too loudly to this gentleman and he was shutting down because, wow, she is powerful. Being able, yeah. being able to recognize that and say, oh, wait a minute, tell me how you're feeling right now, because um, I want to know, I, I maybe you know, hogging the conversation and, and let me know if there's something that you'd like to do or say. Yep. Another aspect of, in, in your world of Taylor and the audience, a, a friend on my end is a, a dog breeder and she shows her animals. And she explained to me that 
um, that sometimes judges have, and I don't know, maybe you can confirm, but, but some judges have a particular way they like to see animals shown. And yep. if you know you're going up to judge A, B, and C, and judge A likes this method, judge B likes that method, judge C likes that method, she, she modifies how she presents the dog based on that judge's non-verbalized preferences. I thought, well, what do you know? So there's so many aspects to knowing your audience within your world that that I hope I hope your listeners um, find my podcast here handy. Uh, it it is because you know we can absolutely relate because some judges like drop dead loose leads, some judges like the dogs to stand free and see how they stand on their four legs without you cranking them up. Um, yeah. And some judges don't like you to take your leash off. They like you to keep the leash on and they'll penalize you if you take the leash off. So you're absolutely right. And until you engage, right? Until you try, um, you can either shut down because that stupid judge, you know, penalized me because I took the leash off, or you can just make a note and say, next time I show under Judge Bass, I'm not going to take the leash off. And that's yep. the same thing with writing. And that's why we're having you here today because so many of us in the dog world, talk to our neighbors in not such a great way, talk to our veterinarians in not such a great way, or rather our neighbors talk to us pretty terribly or our veterinarians or our breeders or someone talk to us not so nicely. And so instead of, you know, responding in kind, and I love that about what Carla teaches, instead of responding in kind, she's giving you tips on how to diffuse. Mm-hmm. Yep. The whole idea is to establish an open-handed communication to, to, um, to make the audience comfortable with receptive is the word to make them receptive to your message. Because if you, if they're, if they're approaching it and they already have their defensive shields up, that makes it so much more difficult for you, maybe impossible. So if you can put them at ease, if you can acknowledge what their issues are and say, I know that you're concerned about A, B, C, D, and E. So let me talk to A, B, C, D, and E. And right off the bat, one that tells them that, that you're listening to them, which is really important, or you've done your homework about them, especially you know, for state legislatures. If you, if you acknowledge them, I know that these are your concerns and here's how I can address them. I mean, right off the bat, you've gained that positive momentum. Yeah, you're not telling them they're wrong. And I think yeah. that's how so many discussions and so many letters start. Hi, you know, S Senator Smith, um, I'm writing to, I mean, even the AKC, when they start their articles, always say, we want to fight against. And I sit there and I go, God, I wish they would change their language. I wish they would take Carla's class. Because the minute you say to anyone in legislature, we're going to fight against you right there, what mm -hmm. happens, Carla? Yeah, it, it's done. It's done. Now, in, in Deborah, in, in, go ahead. In a previous conversation, you shared with me a sign that you had seen in a vet's office, something about we want our customers not to whatever. Can, can you share that with the audience, and we can? Oh, uh, absolutely. So that was a colleague of mine who'd seen a sign, and she was a veterinarian. She said this was the greatest sign I ever saw. We do not allow um, bad temperaments, backbiting, um, aggression, and we're not talking about your dog. And I said to her, she thought it was the greatest sign in the world. And I said, okay, so how do you think that makes me feel? Who's just sitting there, not having any aggressiveness toward anyone. Are you going to assume that anytime I open my mouth that, you know, 
you're not going to pay any attention to me because I'm not allowed to raise my hand and say, hey, I didn't like this or hey, maybe this would be done better this way or what's going on. I said, you can't have it. And you know this, you cannot have it one-sided. You yep. need to say, we. this is what we're going to give you. We are going to treat exactly. you with respect. We're going to make sure we're timely. If we're not, we're going to explain why. Um, we are just going to figure this out in a way that makes sense. And if you can't, then so be it. But most of us, if we if we set forth um, what we are expecting of ourselves in our relationship with you, then when we set forth what it is um, we expect from you, so you've already I've already set up what you can expect from me. Mm -hmm. If then I set up what what I expect of you transparency, expectation set, and less misunderstanding. Yep. So that, that raises another one of my, my principles is what, whatever you write, whether it's verbal or, or written, whenever you communicate, do it from the other person's perspective. So that vet, like you just said, that vet sign should be welcoming. It should say, because what I want to hear is what what can how can you help me? I'm the customer. How can you help me and my dog? My my heart is bleeding. My my animal is sick. I love this thing. How can you help me? You know, and and the open handed is is what's going to get customers. But then, um, as the customer, if you have a vet, because some people some people speak they're they're more comfortable with animals than they are people. It's like um, computer science folks. They're they're more happy with electrons than they are communicating face to face or whatever recognize that that's the type of person with whom you're dealing and, and you can do that you just have to recognize if, if the person is shy um like my friend in the office just know with whom you're dealing don't expect them to be like you because not everybody is like you you have to adjust and if you adjust then you get communications that are positive and uh and and that really requires you to be observant and of course mm -hmm. If your animal is here there for a wellness check, you're a much different person than if your animal is there because they're ill and you don't know why, and you've had to wait a day or two for uh, an appointment, and um, you know you have you've been worried sick. You're a much different person, and so veterinarians in emergency situations have to really take stock of their audience and give a lot of latitude. I'm not saying anybody should curse or swear or swing at someone or harm them in any way. However, that usually occurs when they feel disrespected, condescended to, um, or ignored. And as you know, that's, you know, that is really some of the communication skills that when you're writing, you don't want to have happen either. Right. So I'm, the, I'm, yeah, the, the, vets, the vets have actually got two customers the one is the animal and the other is the animal owner and and the the vet needs to as much as you need to accommodate the vet's peculiarities the vet needs to even he's actually got the more difficult job because if the person comes in with that sick or injured animal that person is is not is not in a mindset to accommodate the vet to this is already spun up in into the ceiling and so the vet needs to understand how it is that you can how how you can talk that person down how he or she can accommodate the client for the betterment of the animal so yeah. so understanding and listening and accommodating in the open hand approach goes both ways
Absolutely. It does. And it has to go both ways because when you're having a conversation with someone um, over an animal, any animal, yours or someone else's, making sure that you breathe. I know that that's key and mm -hmm. listen actively, like really listen to what they're saying. Don't finish their sentences for them. And I know you speak about that in the right to influence. Don't presume an answer really make sure you show them in the least words possible how to really um, get their message across, uh, but don't assume that somebody's gonna understand what you're saying. You really do have to write it out for them. Yep, so so I explain my, my methodology in the shape of, now I need to get a, of an inverted triangle, okay? Inverted triangle. And so right to influence, there's, there's two parts to it essentially. The first part, is taking the time before you engage and strategize your message. Think about what it is you want to accomplish, wh with whom you're communicating, how you're gonna, how you're gonna, there's a whole bunch of strategies I've got. And then once you've strategized it, once you've got a good draft um, right. or, or the speech or your thoughts prepared, then the bottom part of the triangle is where I call the word sculpting tools. And we could, we'll talk about that and I think in a later podcast, but the point yeah. there is, you go through your draft and sentence by sentence, you, 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 you hone out the useless words, the wasted words, the redundancies. And that's how with that inverted triangle approach, the two-step approach, you end up with that, that focused, persuasive, hard-hitting product. Now, let me take just a second and explain. This is, this is, and I'm not doing this to sell books, everybody. I'm Yes, but you should buy it. Everyone here, we're going to have the link because I can tell you it, is one of the best things I've ever read and I've applied it to everything I've written so far. This this has become a passion. I've had so many people come back to me and say, Colonel Bass, if it weren't for, I wouldn't have been able to. Um, so I, I got an email, I got an email completely unsolicited like a couple of years ago. He said, Colonel Bass, you may not remember me, but I was an airman, which is a, a, a young person in your squadron in Hawaii. Um, because you taught me how to write, I was able to be accepted into officer's training school. I served 20 years as an officer. I recently retired, and I'm now the vice president of a defense corporation because you taught me how to write. That came out of the blue. So it, well, it's definitely like has that. to be a testimonial on your website, Carla. I, you know, it just it just it brings goosebumps. So I'm not I'm not talking to you and your audience to sell books. All right. Not doing that. But. That said, this is the book. There's yeah. four parts to it. The first part are the, the strategies, much too much for this particular podcast. The second part are the word sculpting tools. There's 10 of them. The third part are chapters on daily applications, like here's how you apply all stuff to write a grant, to write a resume, to do a presentation, uh, to do a, an application for college, the essay for colleges. Um, there's a couple more chapters in there. And then the fourth part are 100 challenges, um, you know, exercises with the answers. So as you've learned these word sculpting tools and, and the strategies and you're learning to think, the, the fourth part is here's a bunch of hosed up examples, see if you can fix them. And then the answers are in the back. Um, and and I, I, speak, I speak to you in terms of of Goldilocks and hard-boiled eggs and Rumpelstiltskin, and it's so it's not a grammar book. It's just how I how I conceived this methodology and how I've been teaching it for 20 years. And and you mentioned you you learn this once, and it applies to 
everything, everything. I'm so glad you said that because as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, okay, so we are trying to help breed clubs or um, members of the public to draft something that might be important for their legislator to know for purebred dog breeds, even for rescue dogs, even for, you know, breed specific legislation, whatever it is you're addressing. And we are also talking about those texts and emails that mm -hmm. you might shoot off in yep. fury. Um, so Carl and I talked about this earlier and uh, it's that you need to write them. You absolutely do. Because when Carla says you write this and then you go back and pick out the words, which is what we're going to cover in the next podcast, you pick out what really needs to go. Um, yet you need to write it down because both Carla and I agree, you need to dump your bucket. You need to dump your bucket. So you dump your bucket, you write everything you think you want to write, and then you go back. Hopefully- Actually Actually, you begin with an outline. Yep. Okay. The, the People skip the outline step. Big, they always big, do. Big Especially mistake. if you're writing a text or an email, you never make an outline and you should. Ah, you should. You should. Why? Why? Because uh, the time and space, that little white rectangle again, if you've only got X amount of space and X amount of reader's time, you want to make part of my French, but damn sure that you've got your thoughts lined up. So if you only have room for four points and you come up with six, which two are you not going to mention? And in what sequence are you going to mention them? So the outline, the outline helps you organize your thoughts so that you can best leverage that time and space. And speaking of email, there's a chapter in the book on how to do email. We all know because we've received atrocious email. Okay, so once again, um, there, I developed a, a method where, where you've got X amount of sense of, uh, of time. So you... you um, you put the most important stuff first, then you put all the background ancillary stuff last. So if the reader is going to engage with you on an email for 30 seconds, what's most important to convey in those 30 seconds? And people don't think about that. They just start typing paragraph on top of paragraph. We've received it, you guys know. But that doesn't help you and it doesn't help the reader. So to help them help you, everybody benefits is learning how to write concise, precise, focused email. And if you take the time to do an outline to your nasty gram that you might be sending, do an outline to your yeah. nasty gram, um, and you make those points of the nasty gram on how horrible I am as a breeder, just for, just for argument's sake, um, hopefully you will take the time to then calm down. It'll take you longer time. than the 30 seconds that it takes to, because if you use Carla's techniques, it's going to slow you down, which is what we always want when we're trying to make a point. As so Carla said at the beginning of this talk, slow down. Slow down. So you write it, and if it could be controversial, you walk away from it. And we've all heard this. Now, another technique that people, and I am a huge believer whether it's email or, or something going to the legislators, once you think you've gotten it, you've, 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 you've got the strategies, you've word, word sculpted it, go find a quiet corner someplace and read it to yourself out loud. Oh, out absolutely. Loud. And, and when you're doing that, do not listen to hear what you wrote. Listen to hear what you think the other person is going to take going away to from it. 
So as you're doing that, think think about, is there a sentence that, that I wrote, I know what I mean, but you know what? The way the words came out, it could be interpreted in one or two or three different ways. So as you're, as you're reading it out loud, uh, be attuned to ambiguous, ambiguity. Are, are there words? Uh, one of my favorite examples is that they staged a compound raid. So does that mean... Does that mean they they raided a compound twice or they raided the compound from two different directions? So read what you've written with an open mind and listen from somebody else's perspective and you'll you'll your product will benefit from that process too. I love that because that is really one of the most important takeaways that I got from your book. I sit there and I reread things and I wonder if when I'm, Carla reads this, is she going to read it the way I intend? And often we call that reflective listening when you're having a conversation. Go back to Carla and say, I just heard you say compound um, exercise. Did you mean two exercises or did you mean that you were going into a compound and having an exercise or what did you mean? But if you're not in the same room, if you're sending an email or a text, nobody can ask that question. And you know what? It is, it is my practice. It's what keeps me busy that people misinterpret what's meant or if they had been given the opportunity to um, be more clear, it wouldn't have escalated into a conflict. Yep. Uh, you know, one of the things that confuses writing nowadays, especially business or official writing is, is we have gotten into a habit of using nouns as adjectives. So compound raid, that's where the confusion comes in. Um, so nouns on top of nouns and top of nouns used as adjectives uh, muddles the meaning. Yeah, it's, you know, it really creates this impossibility for you to communicate. You know, I, I'm torn, and I'm sure you are too. I'm torn about thinking about and writing down what you'd like to say to Carla when you see her, right? Mm -hmm. um, because sometimes that'll whip you up, but hopefully it'll make you, re, you know, reflect on it. Or if you're writing to a legislator, a breeder, an owner, um, taking a minute to really thoughtfully from mm -hmm. somebody else's shoes, like you said, mm -hmm. what is important to them mm -hmm. um, and lead with that because you want to point out what's important to us. I'm in the middle of a case right now where um, the most important thing to both parties is to keep the dog. Mm -hmm. And so we're writing it from that point of view. Now, who's going to win? I don't know, but it's all about keeping the dog and you know, respecting and understanding how everybody feels and how they want to keep the dog is what is keeping them at the table. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's all it's all about empathy and and listening to the other person's perspective and then writing from that angle. I am so grateful you have come here and I'm so grateful you will come back, right? And do our oh, yeah. word sculpting because there's so much that you haven't even scratched the surface of. Oh. We will have at least one, probably two more podcasts because there's so much rich information here that will help everyone. You know, you're probably asking yourself, what is this? How does this pertain to why do pets matter? Because if you're talking to your spouse, if you're talking to your neighbor, if you're talking to your vet, your groomer, um, your kennel person, if you can figure out how to implement Carla's tools in every venue, you will have a less stressful, much less um, conflictual relationship with people. Yep. So the next time we get together, I'll, I'll talk about the strategies. And then if there's a third one, then we can we can go into the uh, word. Actually, we can do strategies and some word sculpting tools and then finish up with number three. 
with more word sculpting tools. And that will give your audience a, a good feel for what this whole right to influence methodology is about and how they can benefit. And isn't that what we want to do? We really want to influence nobody, most people, the majority of people don't want to be bullies. They, they believe they're being educational and they believe they're being clear in their conversation. So what Coral is allowing us to do, which I love and which is why she's here, is giving us that opportunity to take three 30-minute um, inputs so that we can do a better job at speaking about our animals, um, speaking with people who have influence over our animals, it is really an important piece. Carla, thank you so much for being here. And I can't wait to do this again. You're so very welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Okay, you can reach me at Carla at righttoinfluence.net. My website is righttoinfluence.net. I do a uh, twice monthly newsletter with concise, hard-hitting articles uh, uh, called Right to Influence Quick Tips. There's a top left of the webpage. There's a button where you can you can um, request the newsletter. Um, the three free eBooks are right to uh, right to win a grant submission, right to win input to performance review, and right to win a resume. Where I've taken all of that stuff and targeted it to those three specific products. But you know, I'm here. I teach workshops and webinars, and I love to help people. So. Well, I love it. And of course, we're we're going to add all of those links to the um, show notes so everybody can find them at the bottom of the show notes as well on whichever platform um, you are listening to this. Thank you so much, Carla. I'm so glad you're here. I can't wait to do this again. And to everyone who's listening, please, please, please take time to kiss your pets for me and recognize being able to speak and write with influence with, for the benefit of our pets is so important. Take care. Bye. The Why Do Pets Matter podcast drops every Thursday and can be found on whichever platform you find your podcast. Subscribe now, invite your friends, and I cannot wait to have you join me in these conversations.